Virginia. Where the spirit of 1.8 million West Virginians wills you to victory. Other places have pro teams, but in this state, the Mountaineers are a way of life. When I competed, and more that number, I competed for the state and for the people, not just for the university. Now, let's roll out the carpet and bring on the Mountaineers. That's not a spree. Yes! Alexander. And now, the show brought to you by Mountaineer fans, for Mountaineer fans, the Country Road Webcast. What's going on, Mountaineer Nation? Welcome into episode 15 of the CRW Hoops podcast. As we get set to put a bow on the 2022-2023 West Virginia men's basketball season and seeing the Mountaineers finish with 19 wins, 15 losses, and of course, 7-11 and overall in Big 12 conference play. Now that we all know, ultimately, they played their final game in the first round of the NCAA tournament, falling just shy to Maryland Terrapins there as the ninth seed in the NCAA tournament, falling to the eighth seed Maryland by a score of 67-65. West Virginia with a shot there to win it at the end with Keedy Johnson's long heave coming up just shy there and just off. Amazing game from Keedy all around, though. A career performance for him and his final performance as a Mountaineer. Great end to what was a great season for him. And what was an improved West Virginia basketball team overall, which we will talk more about that in the latter portion of the show when we break down that game, get into our deep dive statistically on that contest, and then review this season as compared to last season for West Virginia, look at where they improved and talk about some of the season standout statistically for the Mountaineers basketball team. That's how we'll close the show. Before we get to all that, though, we're going to open it up the way we always like to do here in our Mountaineer news segment where we're going to talk a little bit of transfer news. We've got some coaching news to talk about. And then, of course, we'll talk a little bit more about some brackets here as we talk a little bit about the NCAA tournament here in this edition of Mountaineer News. All right, kicking off Mountaineer news here with a little NCAA tournament talk. It's beginning with our bracket group, our Country Roads webcast group here on the ESPN Tournament Challenge app. Appreciate everyone that joined in here. Had a great turnout for it. Right now, just updating where the standings are here as we get ready to approach the Sweet 16 round of the NCAA tournament. Now that'll be coming up this week. We'll get to the Sweet 16 and get through the Elite Eight and find out who we'll have in the Final Four next weekend. But right now, as we stand, it looks like King Green, that's our friend Devontae Green, leads the bracket challenge. And with his champion, Alabama, still alive, he stands a great chance to win this contest. Other than that, Tim Illery and CRW Entry, which is, I believe, our friend uh, Jimmy, I believe he picked Alabama as well. So uh, Alabama, Texas, both still alive. So CRW Entry and Tim Illery have a chance. But right now, Devontae definitely leading things and uh, could be the winner of some CRW merch. That's kind of how 
our bracket group stands here on the CRW. As far as the tournament as a whole is concerned, definitely been some awesome upsets. You've seen FDU take down Purdue and something no one saw coming. Seeing a 16 seed take down a one seed in this tournament and a 15 seed take down a two seed. So that's always fun. I'm always a big fan of the underdogs during March Madness, and this has been a fun one to watch despite how the results were for West Virginia. I tried not to let that dampen my spirits, and I still enjoyed the tournament this past weekend. It's one of my favorite weekends in all of sports, just getting to watch basketball from Thursday to Sunday there in the first round, and I really enjoyed this tournament thus far. Some surprises to me was Kansas getting eliminated as early as they did. You could maybe factor in the Bill Self's health situation as a reason why they're not performing as good as we've known them to be able to do so. I know I was high on them coming into this tournament as I think a lot of people were they lose to Arkansas and actually only two big 12 teams surprisingly make the sweet 16 I figured there would be a lot more than that in this tournament but Kansas State and Texas remain alive and I think both of those two have a great chance to make it even further into this tournament if we're talking about big 12 teams in this dance other teams that I think really stand out to me besides the obvious two favorites probably at this point the number one seeds Houston and Alabama I really like Tennessee I like their makeup of their team they seem very physical and tough they play great defense hold teams to a low scoring average that can really help here in March so maybe they could make a run but I think my favorites are of course the two number one seeds and the two big 12 teams but outside of those if I was picking a dark horse it'd probably be Tennessee but I'm definitely pulling for both Kansas State and Texas and I think both of those teams have enough to make a run deep into the dance I wouldn't be surprised to see Texas win at all actually they're playing some really good basketball here at the right time and they have some very talented players so there's a little bit of a tournament talk there and a little bit of an update on our CRW bracket group like I said appreciate everyone that joined and we'll get the CRW merch out to whoever ultimately wins there beyond that let's talk more West Virginia related news here beginning on the men's side we know West Virginia is going to be shaping up the roster for next season's team at this point we've talked about jose perez and silverio being transfers in for west virginia however we know with this era of college basketball you're also going to ultimately have some attrition from your roster that's already begun for west virginia let's take a look here at the first domino to fall in that aspect as a transfer out from the west virginia basketball program all right before i proceed any further here in mountaineer news wanted to say appreciate everyone tuning into this episode of the crw hoops podcast whether you're viewing it on youtube or listening to the audio version which you can find on any podcast platform you like apple podcast google podcast spotify you name it just search country roads webcast and you'll find us on any one of those if you want to give us a listen if you're on apple Podcasts, do us a favor leave us a rating that helps but if you're on any of the other platforms just be sure share us around with other west virginia fans you may know that helps us as well but if you are a viewer of this podcast and you like to take it in visually whether it be on our youtube channel or on the web there at wvsportsnow.com do us a favor hit the like button drop a thumbs up on the video really helps this video's performance which in turn helps future videos performances here on the channel and if you're a wvu fan be sure hit the subscribe button helps us helps you helps get more of this mountaineer sports content out to mountaineer nation and speaking of wv sports now that's where i found this article talking about the transfer out from West Virginia's basketball program. I don't think it's much of a shock who it is in Jamel King, who we barely saw get any action this season. So I think you could maybe see the writing on the wall for this one, but definitely be sure and check out WVSportsNow.com for some great Mountaineer sports content, as well as you can find the video version of episodes of our podcast there as we are part of the Sports Now family and networks. I'm really appreciative of them. But having said that, Jamel King does decide to enter the transfer portal and leave West Virginia. So West Virginia does lose a wing already. We know they're losing Emmett Matthews as well to graduation. Beyond that, Trey Mitchell 
is eligible to leave, but he could potentially return to West Virginia. Out of the six seniors that were honored by West Virginia on senior day, three are leaving for sure, those being Keaty Johnson, Eric Stevenson, and Emmett Matthews, and three are eligible to return, those being Jimmy Bell, Trey Mitchell, and Joe Toussaint. So we'll have more news on those, whether they decide to come back or not, here in the future as that develops. Just tune into the Country Roads webcast on YouTube, most likely for updates on those, each of those, if they decide to come back to West Virginia or not. However, we know Jamel King will not be returning. King only appeared in eight games this season, averaging 1.5 points in 3.6 minutes. So as far as playing time, you're not losing a lot here, but you are losing someone that could potentially have helped you in the future. And when you're losing several guys, potentially you hate to lose uh, potential addition that could have really helped you with the future of this Mountaineer basketball team. That being said, it does open up another scholarship for West Virginia to go out and add another transfer. I look for them to still add maybe one to two more through the transfer portal for next season, depending on if all three of uh, Jimmy Bell, Trey Mitchell, and Joe Toussaint decide to return or not. That'll factor into how many more transfers West Virginia adds. I think regardless, they'll probably add in a couple more, but depending on those decisions, could add a handful more. So we'll see how West Virginia shapes up in the transfer portal heading into next season as that is now in full swing. People leaving and people will be coming in as well as we look to the future of Mountaineer basketball season with this season wrapping up. That just means it's time to work on next year's team. Having said that, let's switch gears from the Mountaineer men's team, talk a little bit about the Mountaineer women's team, their performance in the NCAA tournament, but more recently there's been some breaking news following their loss in the NCAA tournament that we're really going to talk about here in Mountaineer News. All right, so as far as the WVU women's team is concerned, we knew they snuck in an NCAA tournament as well. As a 10 seed, they unfortunately lost to 7 seed Arizona in the first round of their NCAA tournament as well. However, after the game is when the breaking news kind of started to pour out for the West Virginia women's basketball team that Coach Don Plitzwhite could be leaving following only one season as the West Virginia women's basketball coach. Unfortunately, that turned out to be true. She heads back towards the Midwest where she is from, goes to be the head basketball coach at Minnesota, leaving the Mountaineers after just one season, kind of very controversial, I think, in a lot of ways, just because when you leave a program after one season, that kind of puts a bad taste in people's mouth, especially when you had such a good, successful first season, get to the NCAA tournament when you probably weren't expected to after some of the departures and attrition that that West Virginia women's basketball team suffered. So I think a lot of people thought she was doing a really good job and they were on a good track. So that hurt. But then accompanied that with the fact that has now come out that the West Virginia women's basketball players heard about her departure via Twitter first. I think after this, she did end up meeting with the team. So I do commend her for at least talking with the team before leaving ultimately. However, I do have some questions with how this was handled following the tournament game. Apparently the team went back. She did not travel with the team. I'm not sure if she went to Minnesota or what the situation there was exactly, but she didn't inform the team. They actually found out from Twitter before finding out from her. Like I said, I think she met with them after that before officially leaving. However, I don't really agree with that if that was was how that was handled it should have been addressed prior to in my opinion and some fans i'm sure are not really going to like the way that that went down but at this point you know it is what it is it's not a situation where west virginia could have really have kept her she just wanted to go back you know closer to home and you know she mentioned her family and her husband's family and things like that so it's something that you really weren't going to be able to battle against she was on her way out regardless and it just kind of stinks that it happened after one season and i not a big fan of going somewhere just for one season, particularly at the college level and then Bolton. I don't want to say that's 
using somebody if you want to use that term but regardless i just don't really agree with it leaving after one season but in that same token i understand wanting to go home and be home like if it was west virginia uh we would understand bob huggins did that you know with kansas state he came back to west virginia after only one season with the kansas state wildcats so they probably felt a lot of the way that we're feeling now potentially and i think they hold bob huggins in high regard and i think coach p is a really good basketball coach so hopefully west virginia fans will you know not be too bitter and will still hold her in high regard as well because she did get west virginia to the ncaa tournament in her only season here and had them on a good track but as far as keeping the west virginia women's program on the right track now it's ren baker's job to go out and make a great hire to replace coach p here at west virginia i think he's going to do an excellent job just because this is his first big move that he really gets to make as west virginia's athletic director so i'm sure he's going to try Really hard to hit a home run. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of names floating around. I'm sure Kim Stevens is the main one that's going to come up. I believe she was just named Mountain East Conference Coach of the Year yet again. She did a great job the year prior winning the national championship with Glenville State. She was a favorite for the job then when we ended up ultimately going with Coach P. So I know that her name's probably going to come up, and I'm sure that she is a candidate, and I would love to see her get the job personally as well as I'm sure most of you would throughout Mountaineer Nation. But in that same uh, mind, I do trust Ren Baker to make a great hire here like I said, he's going to want to do a great job with it. So he's going to take his time with it. And he's also being very hands-on with it. He had a press conference following Coach P's departure here in the past couple of days where he spoke in-depth about it. Let's take a look at some of his thoughts on the women's basketball program, Coach P's departure, and ultimately what he's going to look for in the next head coach of the women's basketball team in a search that he seems that he's really going to be a part of and ultimately be the deciding factor of who women's basketball program hires to be their next head coach. Take a look here. All right, as I stated, I think Ren Baker really wants to make a great hire here since this is his first hire as the West Virginia Athletic Director, and ultimately he's making it as even his top priority, as Ethan Box says here in this great article you can find on WVSportsNow.com in regards to Ren Baker concerning the West Virginia women's basketball basketball coach hire, which I think is a hiring process that will get wrapped up rather quickly. He didn't provide an exact timetable, but someone mentioned maybe a month, and he said hopefully prior to that. So I'd say here in the next couple of weeks, we will probably know who will be the next head coach of the West Virginia women's basketball team. But as you can see in this article, it wasn't really too big of a surprise to Ren Baker. He knew of Minnesota's interests before the Big 12 tournament, but he also said that he was surprised at the way that the departure happened. But he explained that they made it very clear to Coach P their desire to keep her but he went on to say you know they can't compete with the geography of course she ultimately wanted to go back to the midwest as i said and he went on to say i think anybody would be lucky to be here talking about you know the west virginia women's basketball coach and being at wvu he said i know it hurts and stings when you lose a coach after only one season which is kind of the sentiment that i've shared here as well it just kind of stings when it happens that way but i fully have faith in Ren baker to make a great hire as he says here a search process has already begun after today which that being the day in which he held this press conference his sole focus will be identifying the next leader for the west virginia women's basketball program so hopefully ren baker does a great job in doing that something that he is saying that is now his top priority nailing down a great coach for the west virginia women's basketball program who unfortunately not only saw their season in but also saw their coach depart but hopefully they come out on a great side of it with ren baker making a great hire there to really help the West Virginia women's basketball program stay on a good track moving forward and fingers crossed that he's able to do so but having said that I guess that pretty much wraps us up here on Mountaineer News let's get into our main topic here of course 
with our recap of the West Virginia opening round NCAA tournament loss to the Maryland Terrapins as we take a deep dive on the stats from that game and then talk a little bit about this 2022-2023 men's basketball season as a whole as it turned out here as we get set to close our CRW Hoops podcast season with episode 15. All right, so I'm sure as we all know by this point, West Virginia following the Maryland in the opening round of the NCAA tournament. West Virginia really had some great runs, particularly to start the game and then to start the second half as well. Both of those being at least 13-0 runs, Keedy Johnson having great performances, particularly in the second half run. But unfortunately, the same story broke out in both of those halves after those opening runs from West Virginia. Maryland battled back and then really took over down the stretch in the first half and then fortunately to end the game as well although West Virginia didn't give up fighting to the very end a two-point game Maryland misses a free throw West Virginia with no timeouts has to take a shot from nearly half court from Keedy Johnson he just misses off the rim West Virginia ends up with a two-point loss but Keedy Johnson as I said earlier had a career day in his final game as a Mountaineer but let's look at how the team did overall I know watching uh, one thing I talked about in the immediate reaction show that I did there that I live streamed on our YouTube and Facebook channel there at Country Roads Webcast was that to me it was almost like this game was kind of a microcosm of West Virginia's season in that the one thing West Virginia has lacked all season is consistency, consistency throughout games. They'll have runs and moments in which they look really good and then in, within that same game look absolutely terrible and then game to game that has been the case as well they'll have some game where they really put it all together and you think they're going to finally hit their stride and then they'd have a dud game i'm thinking about the run there in the late season in which it featured a dud game against texas tech but you know this game they kind of had that happen as well like i said with the big run in the first half big run in the second half and playing really good at times but then also playing really bad at times well let's look at the numbers here do a little deep dive and see how they reflect that i think field goal wise for west virginia they did what they wanted to do out shoot maryland 56 to 45 they got 11 more shots up that's great the unfortunate side of that is west virginia did not shoot the ball well from the field as a whole as you see they're only 39% while maryland did shoot 51% from the field that was an issue for this team throughout most of the season west virginia giving up a high percentage of the field goals to opponents over 50% a lot of times this season that's hard to win when you do that and then from the three point line I mentioned going in that West Virginia in this game, I thought if they were going to win, they would be attacking the basket, getting a lot of free throws and not shooting as many threes. I thought if they shot, you know, 20-some threes, it may not be that good of a game for them. They were right on the cusp of that, 19 threes. But also, as you see, they only shot 16 free throws. So to me, that's the opposite of what West Virginia needed to do in this game. They needed to get to the line a lot, not shoot as many threes. Ultimately, they do shoot 19 threes. However, that is the one area where they shot the ball well. They actually shot better from the three-point line than they did from the field, 42% from the three-point line versus 39% from the field. Maryland actually not that great from the three-point line in this game, 6 of 18, only 33%. But Maryland was attacking and got to the free throw line 22 times, hitting 15 of theirs. Not the best percentage, only shooting 68% from the line. But like I said, they got there 22 times. Ultimately, if West Virginia could have done that and gotten there more, it would have been a different type of game, I think. As the Mountaineers, yet again, did a good job on their percentage, over 80% as they were most of the time in the latter portion of the season, hitting 13 of their 16 attempts. And West Virginia did a great job on the glass as well as one of the things that I needed to see them do I said in the preview of this game 
and they did that out rebounding Maryland 35 to 29 and WVU even came down with 16 offensive boards compared to eight for Maryland and turnovers West Virginia was where they needed to be in my opinion there as well I think 12 turnovers or less was the number that I pointed out a lot here from about midseason on that if West Virginia had less than 12 turnovers they seemed to be in most of the games that holds true here as well exactly 12 turnovers and they were in the game to the very end versus 13 turnovers for Maryland. You would like to see them force a little bit more. West Virginia played some really great defense early on in the first half, but after that, it was a bit much like the defense we've seen throughout the most of this season for West Virginia, unfortunately. And then some other things that don't really show up on the stat sheet that, of course, I have to mention here. The injury to Emmett Matthews playing a big part in this game. Foul trouble, which I know some people have wanted to point out questionable officiating. I think that there was some questionable calls, but I think on both ends for West Virginia and for Maryland, I know at the end there was a review that probably should have went West Virginia's way. They said they didn't have indisputable evidence, which I find hard to believe because both the announcers calling the game and the official that they brought in, three people said that they could see that it was out on Maryland. So definitely it appears pretty indisputable to me and to a lot of Mountaineer Nation, I'm sure. But having said that, I don't think that review or any bad foul call alone, I know there was a lot of question about the calls on Jimmy Bell as well. I don't think that any of those things ultimately affected the result of the game when it comes down to the final play. West Virginia still had a chance late, still had plenty of chances late, and Maryland made more plays than they did down the stretch, let's just be honest, and also had the ball bounced that way, both figuratively and literally. I'm thinking about the play in which it's a loose ball and ends up right in their guy's hand for a layup in the final minute or two. That hurt West Virginia. So, you know, that's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. If I have one complaint from this game and I'm not one to harp on coaching and I'm not one really that's going to be calling out Bob Huggins or anything like that, you guys know I'm not that type of person. I'm not saying this to be against Huggins or anything, but I just think in my personal opinion – I know Huggins has done this in the past where, you know, sometimes players aren't playing the way that he wants them to or not doing the things that he asks them to. So we'll send them on the bench for long stretches, kind of teach them a lesson type deal, you know, call it being in Huggins' doghouse, if you will, whatever you want to say there. And I think that's great, and specifically players can really learn a lot from it, and we've seen it have great effect in the past. However, I think in this situation in which he did that to Eric Stevenson for about the first 10 to 12 minutes of the second half, I think it came back to bite West Virginia a little bit. When you're in an elimination situation, I don't know if that's a tactic you really want to rely on or I would rely on personally, I guess I should say. Bob Huggins certainly still stuck to his guns there, and I'm sure that um, he has his reasons, so I'm not questioning that by any means. But I think if West Virginia maybe had Eric Stevenson a couple more minutes in the second half, does it make a difference? I don't know. Hindsight's twenty twenty, but I think you could certainly make a case for that. So those are just some things that don't really show up on the stat sheet here as we're taking our deep dive on the stats that I wanted to talk about in regards to this game. Let's look at the individual numbers one more time on the final West Virginia men's basketball game of the season here as they unfortunately fell in the first round of the NCAA tournament to Maryland. Looking at the standouts for Maryland first, I think the ones that really hurt West Virginia are the ones that I mentioned on the preview, Jameer Young and Juju Reese. Specifically, Juju Reese, I think, late in the game, really made some big-time plays on the glass. He ended up with nine rebounds, four on the offensive end, five on the defensive end, three blocked shots. Some of those came in clutch situations as well, and 17 points. So he ends up with a great stat line there, 17 points, nine rebounds, three assists. Jameer Young, 
stat line's not that great because West Virginia ended up getting him into foul trouble early in the second half, and he sat for a large portion. But I thought when he came in there late in the game, he was in there in crunch time and made plays when they needed to be made, despite the fact that West Virginia forced him into six turnovers. And I think, you know, I'll mention more Keity Johnson here more in a little bit, but I thought he really showed up and did some great performances against some great guards this season. We saw him have a similar performance against Jelly Walker earlier. I mentioned on the preview show he's going to show up when he has those type of matchups. That happened again in this game. Like I said, forcing Jameer Young into six turnovers. No small feat on its own, and we'll talk about his offensive performance momentarily. But Young did end up with three assists, three rebounds, ten points, and a steal. And then I think Scott hurt West Virginia as well with his two steals and Hart. Their length on defense, you know, two steals for each of those guys, hurt West Virginia at times when they did force the turnovers that they did. And ultimately, Maryland ends up with four guys in double figures, all the four that I just named, with the leader being Juju Reese with 17, and then, of course, Hart with 15. As far as the Mountaineers are concerned, I think Jimmy Bell, of course, zero points. That hurts you a lot, but foul trouble was a big part of that. He did do some good things on the glass when he was in the game. Four rebounds and only 11 minutes, and I think if he could have played more, it really would have helped the West Virginia Mountaineers because I think during his 11 minutes is when we saw West Virginia play some of the best defense they played in the game, actually. He seemed to really be helping them on the defensive end in this matchup with Maryland. Trey Mitchell went the full 40 minutes for West Virginia, kind of had to following the injury to Emmett Matthews. Emmett tried to come in in the last 90 seconds and gutted out. Don't know if he should have been out there or not, but there was no way that he wasn't going to try and play and get a win and what he thought and maybe could be and ultimately was his final college basketball game. And I hated to see him be injured and not really be able to contribute and help West Virginia because I think if he's healthy for the full game, this one may end differently as well. But Trey Mitchell, 13 points, six rebounds, two steals, one block. I thought it was a pretty gutty performance from Trey overall. I know some people were really harping on him after the game, but I thought here in the latter portion of the season overall, he showed some aggression and some grit that I really didn't know that he had in him earlier in the season and really started hitting the glass, becoming the leading rebounder for West Virginia to finish the season. And I'm hoping that he returns because I think he could have a big season next year if he comes back after he goes through another offseason with Bob Huggins. And now knowing what to expect heading into a full season with Coach Huggs, he could really have a breakout season next year potentially. Like I said, Matthews hurt for a lot of the game. Hated to see him go out the way that he did, only 2.3 rebounds. He ended up playing 23 minutes, logged a few of those late there, like I said, when he came back, despite still being injured. Eric Stevenson, 31 minutes. And, you know, we talked about him being the guy for West Virginia, them kind of going as he goes. When he has big games, West Virginia wins. When he doesn't, they didn't a lot of times. And, unfortunately, that rang true in what will be his final game as a Mountaineer. But I thought that he was a guy that was built to have a great performance in March. Would have been a great story. He definitely does have those capabilities, unfortunately. In the one game that he got to play, he just had an off night. And it came at the worst possible time for West Virginia. 4-17 from the field, 1-4 from the three-point line. 31 minutes, only nine points, but I still think Eric Stevens has had an awesome year and definitely one of the better one-and-done players we've had at West Virginia, right, for sure, because we haven't had that too many come in and play only one season. We will now in the transport portal era see this more, so who knows how long that statement will be able to last, but I think right now he's certainly one of the very best one-and-done players to ever come through West Virginia. And shout-out to Eric Stevenson for all he did and all the – fun and uh, highlights he provided for us this season as we went through here on the CRW Hoops podcast. And then a favorite of mine to talk about throughout this season. I've been singing his praises a lot of the time when a lot of people still wanted to harp on him. 
Keedy Johnson. He's shown up in big games a lot this season, and he really was the one Mountaineer that showed up and kind of carried this team in a lot of this game. I know to begin the second half, West Virginia had, I believe, a 16-0 run where 13 of those were Keedy Johnson's points, if I'm not mistaken. Shot a great percentage from the field, 8 of 13, 4 of 8 from the three-point line, and 7 of 7 from the free-throw line, where he's done such an excellent job this season attacking the rim, finishing getting and ones, and when he hasn't got and ones, he's hit his free throws when it's been two shots and he's converted the and ones when he has got them, which he did a lot throughout this season and in this game as well. I think of one time where he did it three times in a row, if I'm not mistaken, but ultimately ends up with a career night, 27 points. Would have loved to seen it be 30 and him hit that game winner on nearly that half-court shot in which he just missed off the side of the rim there, but 27 points in 31 minutes for West Virginia, one steal, one assist. And really, I think this year we knew he was going to be a great defender coming into it. But what really surprised me, and I'm sure a lot of Mountaineer Nation as well, was his offensive performances throughout the season. He carried West Virginia in a few games. And to me, what really stood out is when he faced guards that were standout players throughout the country. And he did a lot this season when you're talking about a conference that has Marquis Noel, Keontae George, Marcus Carr, Cryer, Flagler, you name it. And he also faced Jelly Walker from UAB. And specifically, the ones that stand out to me off the top of my head right now is, of course, Jameer Young from Maryland, a great guard. He had a standout game in this one, forcing him into six turnovers while scoring 27 points. And I believe against UAB, he forced Jelly Walker into a lot of turnovers in that game while also leading West Virginia in scoring, if I'm not mistaken, with nearly 20 points in that game as well. So I think Kitty Johnson had his best game when the moment was really bright and he had a really tough opponent across the way from him and a really tough matchup in another star guard. And I think in his own right, Keedy showed that he was a star this season in his final season for the Mountaineers. And I can't say enough about his performance throughout the season and especially in this NCAA tournament game in which he carried West Virginia, ended with 27 points and nearly a game winner that would have been an awesome story, but still an awesome story to talk about is his performance playing in his home state in his final game as a Mountaineer and having a career day. So definitely want to end it talking about Keedy Johnson and shout out to Keedy, Eric, and Emmett for their great years this year. I know a lot of them had some standout moments. Those are the three seniors that certainly will not be returning next season. So shout out to them, at least helping West Virginia get back to the NCAA tournament, even if we didn't come away with the victory. I think that we can say this year was a big improvement as opposed to last year. But let's take a look here just to be sure before we close out on episode 15 of the CRW Hoops podcast. Let's compare last season to this season. See if we think West Virginia improved and ultimately look at some final season stats for the Mountaineers as we get set to put a bow on the 2022-2023 West Virginia men's basketball season. So as I scroll through the West Virginia men's basketball schedule now that it's completed and we know how things ultimately ended up with this West Virginia Hoops team, I think the one thing that I will say personally is I definitely feel like this team was improved. I think you could watch them game to game and even to the naked eye. They just looked like a more cohesive unit and they really showed their potential at times. I think ultimately what's going to stand out for us throughout Mountaineer Nation is maybe this team underachieved a little bit because we just saw what their potential could be if they could ever get it all together at the right time. I think the best we saw of that was in that late season run where they won four out of five. The one loss being on the road at Kansas only by two there. And then ultimately, of course, unfortunately ending on a two-game losing streak with the loss in the Big 12 tournament to Kansas and the loss in the NCAA tournament. But when you look at it as a whole, not even 
just individually like that, you know, watching the team, I think, to the naked eye, like I said, you could tell this team certainly looked better than last year's. But what do we know about last year's club, the 2021-2022 Mountaineers? We know they won 16 games overall. Well, this year's 2022-2023 West Virginia club wins 19 games. So you improve your overall win total by three. So in my opinion, when you watch the team, they look improved. Overall record, improved by three. What do we know about the conference record of last year's team? Four conference wins, right? This year, what do we got? Seven conference wins, seven and 11. Still not 500, still not a winning record in conference, but you get your seven conference wins, enough to get you to the NCAA tournament. So you improve your conference wins by three. So the team looks improved when you watch them. You improved your overall record by three. You improved your conference wins by three. And did last year's team make the NCAA tournament? No, they did not. Did this year's team? Yes, they did. So there you go. Four things right there that show to me this year's team certainly improved when compared to last year's West Virginia Men's Basketball Club. Now we just got to hope that it's a stair-step process, right, and we're improving year to year. And next year's club will be even better than this year's club. Hopefully we get a 20-win club that's at least 500 in conference and wins an NCAA tournament game. To me, that's what I'm looking for next season. This season showed that Bob Huggins has kind of figured out this transfer portal era of college basketball and is going to build an even better team for next season. We'll see what happens for that. For now, I think I'm safe in saying that this year's West Virginia basketball team improved when compared to the 2021-2022 Mountaineers. Now let's look at some of the stats from this season as we get set to close this episode of the CRW Hoops podcast. All right, for you guys taking this in visually, of course, you can see this shared with you on the screen. But for those listening on the audio side, what I can tell you about the 2022-2023 West Virginia men's basketball team, stats-wise, how they ended the season, four guys in double figures, actually, and a fifth just shy of that, the fifth being just shy of that Joe Toussaint, 9.4 points per game. Em and Matthews averaged 10.2 points per game. Keedy Johnson and Trey Mitchell both actually averaged 11.7 points per game. And then, of course, the leading scorer on the season for the Mountaineers was Eric Stevenson, 15.4 points per game. The leading rebounder for the Mountaineers for a lot of the season, I know if you followed through in these episodes, was Jimmy Bell. But as I stated earlier briefly, Trey Mitchell actually took that over in the latter portion of the season, and I was really excited to see him seem to really grasp the rebounding aspect of a Bob Huggins team and become really more well-adjusted to that aspect of the game and grabbing more rebounds. Ultimately, it pays off as he finishes the season as the leading rebounder for the Mountaineers with five and a half per game. Jimmy Bell second with 5.2, followed by Emmett with 3.9. As far as the assists are concerned, Keedy Johnson led the team in assists pretty much the entire season, 3.1 per game. Right behind him was Joe Tucson with 2.6 and Eric Stevenson with 2.5. Keedy Johnson, of course, also led the Mountaineers with nearly two steals per game. Eric Stevenson second place there, averaging just over one per game. Leader in block shots for the Mountaineers, averaging just under one per game. And I look for next season, this averaged even improved as he continues to get even better and more acclimated to the game of basketball. And that's, of course, our guy here I affectionately always call James Ablockwo. That's all right. James Aconquo led the Mountaineers in blocks this season. And then talking percentages for the Mountaineers, the highest field goal percentage on the Mountaineers club in 2022-2023 actually was Mo Wiggie, 74% from the field he finished with. Uh, no, he didn't get to finish the latter portion of the season, but he really did have some bright spots throughout the season, and I think he could have a good year for the Mountaineers next year. 
Second, James Aconquo, 57% from the field. The highest free throw percentage on the season for the Mountaineers, Josiah Harris. That one probably will shock you. 83% on the season. Keedy Johnson just behind him, though, 82.8% on the season, followed by Seth Wilson, 80%, and Eric Stevenson, 79.6%. And the highest-rated three-point shooter for the Mountaineers on the season, Pat Sumnick. I bet you wouldn't have guessed that in a trivia game, but Pat Sumnick, 66.7% from three-point on the season to ultimately lead the Mountaineers there. Seth Wilson, though, how about this, 41.5% from the three-point line for Seth Wilson. Hopefully he sticks around. I think if he gets some extensive playing time next season, he could really be a scorer for the Mountaineers. And then Eric Stevenson, of course, 38% from the three-point line. We know he was a marksman and the leading scorer for the Mountaineers all season. So there's a little bit of a look at the individual statistics. Who led the Mountaineers in each category as we wrap up the 2022-2023 West Virginia men's basketball season here. All right, so there you have it, Mountaineer Nation. A little bit of a discussion of the brackets as the tournament is ongoing. A little bit of Mountaineer news discussion in regards to the women's basketball coach position. And then, of course, transfer news for the men's program before we put a bow on the 2022-2023 season with some statistic talk in regards to the final tournament game for the Mountaineers and then the standouts individually on the season as we wrap up. This year of West Virginia basketball, of course, the content will not stop from us here on the Country Roads webcast side. We're just switching gears, switching over to football, so be sure and check us out for more content both on the audio side if you're tuned in there on a podcast platform or on the video side where you can find the podcast episodes on YouTube as well as more exclusive content to YouTube, video updates on West Virginia football news, etc. Been releasing those here in the past couple of days. Check those out if you haven't already, but that will pretty much wrap up the 2022-2023 men's basketball coverage from us here on the CRW Hoop side. have really enjoyed it this season. Already looking forward to next season. Like I said, we'll continue to update the men's basketball roster as changes happen over on the YouTube there at Country Roads Webcast. But what we know for this year, West Virginia finishes the 2022-2023 campaign 19 and 15 overall, 7 and 11 in Big 12 play, making the NCAA tournament. Unfortunately, falling in the first round, but it was good to see. And it, what I will call an improved West Virginia basketball club. And I was happy to see the Mountaineers get back to the big dance. But I hope it's just the tip of the iceberg. Looking forward to an even better 2023-2024 WVU basketball campaign. And before it gets here, I'm looking forward to covering how that roster shapes up. And like I said, look for coverage from us here at the Country Roads webcast on YouTube in regards to how that men's basketball roster shapes up. But I've enjoyed covering this 2022-2023 men's basketball club with you guys, and I hope you guys have enjoyed the podcast episodes as we've put them out here throughout the season. Like I said, football podcast episodes coming soon and plenty more Mountaineer sports coverage from us here at the Country Roads webcast. Having said that, that'll wrap us up here on episode 15 of the CRW Hoops podcast as we get set to close the West Virginia men's basketball season for 2022-2023. As always, I'm Jordan Cruz, and until next time, let's go Mountaineer. If you really want to know, then come on, let's go. Take a stroll down those...